Welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Woman Podcast, friends. I am so excited because today is my first attempt at a solo episode, so bear with me as I figure this out, but I am going to be talking all things starting your own business and entrepreneurship. Today, I will walk you through 11 steps to take when first starting your business. I'll also dive into the topic of network marketing versus entrepreneurship because I know that's kind of a hot topic in the social media world today. If you are ready to learn how to start your own business or figure out whether starting a business is for you, dive on into this episode. You're listening to the Catholic Woman Podcast. If you're a Catholic woman desiring to live by God's standards and not society's expectations, then this podcast is for you. Each week, we bring you actionable tools to live out your vocation confidently while empowering you to know the truths and teachings of the Catholic faith. Whether you need advice, encouragement, or connection, you are in the right place. So if you're ready to dive in and become the woman God created you to be, then get ready, because here is your host, Marie Hansen. All right, everybody. Well, I am so excited for today's episode because we're going to chat all things starting your own business. Um, So before I even jump in, I just have a disclaimer to make. So while I do have experience starting and running my own business, each business is unique. All business information I talk about in this episode is intended for the masses and a large variety of different businesses. Please seek out an attorney in your city and home state if you need specific legal and business advice related to your unique business. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's start from the beginning. So I have always been an entrepreneurial spirit. So as a kid, I was always starting little businesses at my house. Um, I specifically remember one in particular in elementary school. I had a pillowcase of the month club. So in this pillowcase of the month club, what I would do is I basically got people to subscribe. This was like before subscription services were a big thing. So I got people to subscribe to my pillowcase of the month club and they joined for one year. And every month I would sew a seasonal pillowcase and ship it off to them. So for example, in January, I would sew one that had like snowflakes on it. February would be like hearts. March would be um, clovers, you know, something like that. It was seasonal. It was a monthly pillowcase. Um, and I actually had a lot of people subscribe to it. Now, granted, because I was in elementary school, I had my mom's help with a lot of it. She helped me like get the fabric. She really helped me like get the sewing machine already. I didn't really know how to thread a sewing machine, things like that. Um, but it was actually a really successful business until I decided to be done with that. And that kind of really made me excited for, working for myself and taking fun ideas, taking what I love to do and turning it into a way that I can make money for myself and my family. Um, So I kind of went through all of high school and college without really um, having a business at all. Except in college, I started working on the side um, in social media management. I worked for several brands um, doing social media management for them. One was a pro-life organization. One was a wedding dress shop. Um, I worked for a few other small businesses too, but I did work for legit businesses doing managing their social media, kind of running their reels, their grid post, their TikTok, things like that. And I learned a lot about marketing through that experience. So after a few years of that, I decided I wanted to try to start a blogging page just for fun. So I started one on Instagram. I bought a website domain, created a website, and I started blogging. I had initially started in 
um, modest fashion. <laughs> That's what I had initially started, but quickly took a turn towards more Catholic content because I like modest fashion, but I found there were several other modest fashion bloggers out there and they didn't really need another one. And I really found my passion in Catholic apologetics. So for two years, I ran that um, business and just recently stepped away from that because I just wanted more privacy for my family. And um, it's, it's kind of privacy invasive. You feel like you have to share a lot of your life when you're doing influencing. So I stepped away from that, but not without growing successfully. I'd gained, um, I went from one to 10,000 followers within a couple of months. Um, so it was, it was a very successful influencing business, I guess you could say. And then when I found out I was pregnant with my daughter, um, I decided I didn't want to continue teaching because at the time I was a music teacher, um, and I wanted to be able to stay home with her. But my husband and I, I needed to work for our family. We don't quite make enough to live off of just on his salary yet because we're both still pretty young um, and, you know, freshly out of college and into the career force. So I decided to take my experience with marketing, social media, and also my some wedding planning experience I had and start my own wedding planning business. I started White Lily Weddings, which is a Catholic wedding planning and management company based in the Midwest, but now I employ planners throughout the whole country, which is pretty special. I did not think that it would boom so quickly. So, all of that said, I just kind of walk you through this so you can see that I, while obviously I'm not a seven-figure business, I do run a very successful five-figure business. It was five figures within the first couple of months of being in business, um, and I have several years of marketing experience working with other companies. So, I'm not the, obviously, um, top of the, cream of the crop, I guess you could say, when it comes to this, but I do have experience and I do kind of know what I'm talking about, and I have successfully started and run businesses. So, the first steps to take, I'm gonna kind of walk you through 11 things that you should really do when you're considering starting a business um, and don't really know where to start. So, first things first, you really have to determine your business concept. So, if you don't have a firm idea of what your business will entail, here are some questions to ask yourself. What do you love to do? What do you hate to do? Can you think of something that would make those things easier? What are you good at? What do others come to you for advice about? If you were given 10 minutes to give a five minute speech on any topic, what would it be? What's something you've always wanted to do but lack resources for? And then before you choose the type of business to start, there are some key things to consider. So things to think about are what type of funding do you have? Um, which I'll get into funding a little bit later. How much time do you have to invest in your business? That's a big one. Do you prefer to work from home or at an office or workshop? What interests and passions do you have? Can you sell information such as a course or subscription rather than a product? What skills or expertise do you have? How fast do you need to scale your business? What kind of support do you have to start your business? Are you partnering with someone else? Does the franchise model make more sense to you? Now, before I move on to the next thing, I totally forgot to mention that I actually did start um, a small business, a partnership. Um, it wasn't actually official. We were kind of in our testing phase, but decided not to proceed forward with it. Um, with one of my friends, Grace Brown, who was on a previous episode, we started a membership called Seeking Sainthood. Um, long story short, both of us, I think, learned that partnerships were not for us. So if you are going to do a partnership, 
they can work out, but they are a lot harder than starting the business um, by yourself. So not to like scare anyone away from partnerships, there are some really good business partnerships that have worked, but it can be a little bit trickier and you're definitely going to want to um, test that out before you kind of dive on in. Okay, the next thing to do after you determine or while you're determining your business concept is to research your competitors and market. Um, so you want to know who you're up against, um, what other people are in your industry. So for example, when I was starting White Lily Weddings, I did research and there were some other Catholic wedding planners out there. There were not many though. So while almost all, ca- all wedding planners do Catholic weddings, a Catholic wedding planner only takes Catholic weddings. So there were a couple other companies out there at the time There have been a few more that have popped up since, um, but it's still a relatively small market, which um, was important to me. But I also think it's important to see that there is a market. Obviously, you can be the first one in your field, but to know that there is a market for something um, shows you that you have a little bit more of an opportunity to, to be successful. If I were to be the first person ever to jump in that um, specific niche market, I wouldn't know if there is even a market for that because no one else is doing it. Had people tried and failed? I don't know. So that was helpful to see that a couple other people were successfully running businesses in that same niche market. The next thing to do is create your business plan. Um, I'm not going to walk you through how to do this exactly because there are lots of different ways to create your business plan. Sorry, my dog is scratching himself and he's collars jingling. So if you hear that, I'm sorry. So you'll want to create a business plan. If you just Google how to create a business plan, there's lots of different articles you can find. Um, This is just, you just really want to have a layout of what you're doing because you don't want to start blindly. Businesses can cost a lot of money and then um, it's just in a lot of time too. So you really want to have a plan of action before you dive on into what you're doing. Um, I would highly suggest, I really enjoy Donald Miller. Um, He is the founder of StoryBrand and that's um, a marketing um, like strategy, but he does something else called Small Business Flight School and basically he helps you come up with a successful business plan, all parts of the business. So I really like him. Um, And I think he's a very, very um, solid person and a place to start if you need help creating a good business plan. Okay, the next fourth thing to do is to choose your business structure. So you need to decide whether you're going to be an LLC, LLP, sole proprietorship, or corporation, most commonly S-Corp or C-Corp. The most common two are sole proprietorship and LLCs. So I'll just kind of speak from my own personal experience. I decided I wanted to do an LLC, not a sole proprietorship, for a few reasons. The biggest was that I really wanted a clear distinction between my personal life and my business's life. Um, With a sole proprietorship, there is that distinction, but the lines aren't quite as clear, whereas with an LLC, it's very clear cut. My business is a completely separate entity from me. The other reason I wanted to do an LLC is because I wanted to house multiple biz- multiple business ventures under the LLC. So, for example, I have White Lily Weddings, which I registered a DBA, which is a doing business as, or also known as a trade name for that, under my LLC. But this podcast is also under my LLC. So those are two different business streams under one LLC. So that is um, one reason that I thought an LLC would be more beneficial than a sole proprietorship for me. And I'm also at the point where I'm considering switching to corporation status. Um, 
LLC, LLP versus corporation kind of is just more so um, tax rules and laws. Um, so once you start making a certain amount of income, it can be more beneficial to be a corporation versus an LLC or an LLP. Um, that's something you'd really want to talk to um, a CPA about um, when determining what would be most beneficial for your business. Okay, the next thing is to register your business and get licenses. So once you kind of have the first four steps done of really planning it out, really having a good plan, knowing what you're going to do, then it's time to get rolling. And the first things you need to do are register your business name and DBAs with your state. Um, so this would be articles of incorporation, those kind of things. Um, and you need to get that registered. Um, you also then, once you're registered, need to get your EIN, which is for tax purposes. You also then need to get any appropriate licenses and permits you need to operate as a business in your state or whatever state you're doing business in if you're going to be doing business in other states. I do not know all the laws for every single state, so that is something you need to look up with your Department of Revenue and your own state's specific laws. After you get all registered, the next thing you'll want to do is get your finances in order. Um, so this would be opening a business bank account. I cannot stress this enough. Do not, do not, do not do anything from your own personal bank account. Open a business bank account right away. If you don't want um, a brick and mortar bank, there are several online only business bank accounts um, that are great to use too. So you just have to have a bank account. Don't ever do any business from your own personal bank account. Next thing to do would be get bookkeeping software or hire a bookkeeper. I cannot emphasize this enough. I kept track of my expenses and profits, but I did not do the like formal bookkeeping right away. And oh my goodness, when it came tax time, it was just a pain in the butt. I literally had so much to do. Spent hours and hours. My husband helped me getting all that in order. So just do it right away because I'm a business who didn't have even a ton of transactions. So if you're going to have a lot of transactions, that is something you cannot get behind on. It will just come back to bite you. So get bookkeeping, bookkeeping software or hire a bookkeeper. The next thing to do is know your break-even point, know how much you need to invest in the business, and then know how many, how many products or services you need to sell to break even on your initial investment. Understand taxes. This is, this is like huge. You need to pull aside money right away for taxes. Um, if you are charging taxes, um, and that's you need to look into your state whether you need to charge taxes for your specific service or product or not, um, that is not the taxes you need to set aside. You also need to set aside about 25% for taxes. Um, this is something I cannot emphasize enough. Um, if you want more information about like how to kind of set up a very simple, um, like, budget almost for your business, how to pull aside business expenses, pay yourself, pull profit, pull taxes, things like that. Um, I'd really recommend the book Profit First. It's really good. I read it. I've read it multiple times and it's a very simple system. It's almost like the Dave Ramsey of businesses. So Profit First if you're interested in that um, and how to kind of set that up well. Next thing you need to do is fund your business. So you need to decide whether you want to do internal versus external funding. Um, I've only ever done internal funding, which is where I fund them myself. But you could do external funding. You could do crowdsourcing. You could get business loans. You could find investors, things like that. Um, depending on the size and scale of your business and how much it takes to start it up might help you determine whether you want internal versus external funding. 
Next thing you need to do would be get business insurance and a lawyer. So you need to work with an agent to get your business insured. Every business should be insured. There are several types of business insurance, um, and depending on what you do, how you operate, will determine what kinds you need. But every business needs insurance trust me on this. You do not want to mess with this. Just get your business insured. It's really not that expensive. Um, Usually it's not that expensive to start. So work with an agent to get your business insured and get the right insurance. The other thing is you need to get a lawyer on board board with your team. Have them direct draft up any contracts or things like that. So um, in my in my case, I have contracts with clients and I have contracts with my associates. So I have a lawyer draft those up um, for us to use because you do not want to get into legal trouble. And then you just have somebody on your side in case something goes wrong. But having that lawyer look at the look and draft that contract for you um, is going to be huge. And then if you're a product shop, um, terms and conditions, refund policy, stuff like that, you need to just have a lawyer, even if you draft it, have them look over it to make sure it is um, following the business rules in your state because every state is slightly different. So it's super important to get a lawyer to look at those. Otherwise, you could find yourself with legal fees later in the future. All right. After that, then we kind of start getting into the nitty-gritty. So getting the right business tools. So you're going to want for sure some kind of accounting software. Um, you can. There are lots of different accounting software. Some are free, some are paid. So just doing some research on which, which one is going to be best for you um, is really, really like the best thing to do. I, I don't really have one that I'm partial to. Um, if you have clients, a CRM tool or client relations management software. Um, I personally use HoneyBook, but there are several others. Um, if you are working with clients at all, um, like with the service-based business, you're really going to want a client relations management software. I cannot emphasize this enough. It just makes projects so much easier, so much more streamlined. Um, and then you can like sign contracts, um, through these they can pay through these so it's secure so it's just very streamlined it's much much easier than trying to send paypal invoices and you know um, have pdfs of signed contracts and all these other things so i use honeybook um i know they offer a discount i can't think of it off the top of my head but i'll put a link in the show notes with the discount code if you're interested in using honeybook at all um Yeah, I don't know what that is, but I know they offer a discount, so I'll link that in the show notes because I really love my HoneyBook tool. The next thing you're going to want is project management software. Um, If you're doing anything with project management, I have one that's specifically for wedding planning. Um, I love it so much, but it's also another business expense. You're going to want payment processing. If you have CRM software, sometimes that has payment processing with it, but that would be things like Square, PayPal, things like that. Um, You might need some point of sale um, software. You might need merchant services. And you're for sure going to want website hosting. Um, There are so many ways to host a website. I learned all about this when I was learning blogging a few years ago. Um, But you are going to want to own your domain. It's really not that expensive to own a domain. Um, I use Google domains and I love it. That's not what I always used. I used to use Bluehost and it was fine, but I like Google domains a lot better. Um, so you can go get your Google domain. Um, it's really not that expensive. And then you get like a branded email with it, which is pretty nice, a Gmail suite. And then, um, I also use show it for my website hosting, which is actually hosted on WordPress. Whole big thing. Um, website hosting is a lot. You can hire a website designer if that's something you have the budget for. Um, I've always just done my own websites because I didn't have the money for it. 
but it's taking me hours and hours and hours. So time is money sometimes, something to consider when determining whether you want to create your own website or have someone else create it for you. So once you have all of that set up, it is time to market your business. So obviously you need a website um, and there's something called SEO or search engine optimization, which is basically how to get your website to show up in people's search results on the top page of Google. Very hard to do, but it's not impossible. So for example, with mine, um, people would probably be searching Catholic Wedding Planner and then the area that they're searching. So there's strategies for how to rank on Google for those specific keywords that people are searching. Um, so that's something you can YouTube. There are lots of courses on SEO. You can hire somebody to do your website SEO, things like that. Um, but that's something you're definitely going to want to look into because that's organic traffic and that is great for your business. The other thing is social media. Um, obviously, I did social media marketing, so it can be very powerful. However, um, I definitely think social media is great, but it's not something you own. So I feel like if you're going to put your time and money into something, it should be your website and SEO, and then also email marketing. Um, email marketing is huge. It's something I really need to jump on board with, but Basically, if you can create free things for your clients um, in exchange for their email or clients or customers in exchange for their email or discounts or things like that, basically incentives to get their email address, then you have access to their inbox and you can send them sales, deals, um, you know, market to them through marketing funnels, things like that. So email is actually super powerful and I know I'm hypocritical. I used to have an email list and I got rid of it. So I need to start one again because you never know with social media, you know, they could just take your account away any day. So email marketing, super, super big. Get on that right away. It's something I wish I would have done. And I, when I did it in the past, it was super helpful. So email marketing, website and SEO, social media. And then the last step is to scale your business when you're ready. So this can be hiring on additional team members. Typically, your first hire is going to be a VA or a virtual assistant. Um, sometimes it'll be a bookkeeper or um, somebody like that. Eventually, this could be like a social media manager. It can be a marketing manager. It could be um, a client experience manager, people like that. So there's lots of ways to scale your business um, through your team and then potentially based on whatever you have, you know, opening new locations. Um, if you're a brick and mortar store, there's lots of ways to scale your business. So that is kind of the last step though. All right, so that is the 11 steps to starting a business. And something I wanna to touch on too um, is just creating a good client customer experience. So this is going to be essential for really getting your business up and running, getting people to refer um, other people to you and getting good reviews because those are going to help your business go further than honestly social media posts will. So the best thing you can do first and foremost, is serve, serve, serve. I love the servant's heart and servant's attitude when it comes to marketing and business because honestly, it's very genuine. You can't like fake service, in my opinion. So um, giving people free content as much as you can. And I know people are like, wait, but if I give it away for free, they won't want to, they'll have nothing left to buy. Obviously, don't give everything away for free, but give a good majority of it away for free. Give your your knowledge away for free. Give certain things away for free because people then will be like, wow, if this is what I get for free, I can't imagine what I get when I pay for it. And then they'll be more inclined to pay for your service or your um, product 
things like that. So serving your audience is always going to benefit you in the long run. The other thing is to invest in their experience. So obviously this costs you some money. However, it will get you some great referrals, repeat clients, good reviews, things like that. So this can be beautiful branding, a nice website, um, sending client gifts if you're a service-based business, having loyalty programs if you're a product-based business where people can earn points and get free things or discounts, stuff like that. So really investing in their experience so they know that they're valued, giving them um, incentives to book or refer your service is really going to be amazing and so much more beneficial for your business than you could um, really ever think. One question I got asked when I was talking about this topic on social media is how do you balance motherhood, homemaking, and running a business? Because um, if you listened to a couple episodes ago, you know that I do work from home. And right now I'm actually recording this while my daughter and the girl I nanny nap. So (laughs) it's really hard to kind of find um, a balance between everything. And I will say she's seven months old now. It did not happen like this until probably about a month ago. She would not sleep without me holding her. So it is very hard. I'm still figuring it out. But this is what I have to say is you cannot do 100% at each time for each thing. So you cannot be giving 100% to motherhood, 100% to homemaking, and 100% to running your business. Things have to give. Um, So I try my best to be 100% running my business during their naps. Um, Typically, it's only one nap a day because the other nap I'm doing 100% towards homemaking. I'm cooking meals. I'm cleaning um, while they're asleep. And then when they're awake, I'm 100% towards them going on outings, playing with them, things like that. So I wish I had a better answer for you, but you really can't do it all. Um, You can do everything well, but you can't do it all at the same time. So if it's in your budget, sometimes hiring help for a couple hours to sit down and get some work done is great. Um, that could be outsourcing cleaning if you like want to hire a cleaning person. Um, it could be doing something like HelloFresh so that you have less time like grocery shopping, meal planning, and all you have to do is cook it up at night. So there are ways to do it um, more efficiently and more effectively. It does cost money. But also money is time. So um, right now I don't have the money to do those things. I'll totally be honest with you. But that means my time is very split. I have very little time to run my business, um, which it, it, it makes me sad. But at the same time, this is where we are in life right now. I love giving so much to motherhood and homemaking. And um, hopefully in the future we'll have the means where I can hire someone to come over for a few hours a week so I can dedicate more time to the business. Um, and again, that's an investment. Hopefully those hours I'm spending working with a babysitter would be um, more money would come in because of that work time, you know, versus going out. So that's just something to think about, too. One more thing I want to chat about is network marketing versus entrepreneurship. So network marketing or MLMs, things like that, um, if people have lots of different names for it. I feel like network and social marketing is like the trendy term because MLM got a bad rap. But a lot of people say like, oh yeah, I have my own business when they're doing network marketing. Um, and I will say I do network marketing, so I'm not like rapping on it at all. Like I sell network marketing for a company um, and I like it. Like I love their products, so that's why I decided to sign up. But it is, I, I, I might be controversial here. I do not think that is owning a business. When people say I own my own business and they do network marketing, while you 
are in control of who you sell to. That is not the same as owning your own business. As you heard in the previous 11 steps, there's so much that goes into truly owning and starting a business. Um, And so I just don't think that network marketing is considered the same as owning a business and entrepreneurship. I think it's a great business avenue for people who don't quite have the time or the means to start a business from scratch and they want to make some side money. Absolutely. Nothing against network marketing at all. But I just don't want people to think that when they hear like so many people have their own business that they truly, truly have their own business. A lot of people you hear say that do network marketing. So that's just something I kind of wanted to chat about too because, I don't know, it, it, it bothers me. As someone who does network marketing, I love it. But as someone who has started and run businesses from scratch too, it bothers me because I feel like it kind of cheapens the amount of work and time that goes into truly starting your own business from scratch. Okay, so that was kind of a lot and I know I just spit it all at you. But if I could leave one piece of advice to prospective entrepreneurs, here's what it would be. It is in the in-between. And there's so many, this phrase can be applied to so many things, but I particularly think it's in the in-between applies to starting a business because it's important to do research, obviously. It's important to have a business plan, but you can plan and plan and plan and plan and plan forever and never actually get started. Now, on the flip side, you could just say, like, I have this idea, I'm ready to dive in, and not have any of the other things set up. You could start serving clients without being legally legit, having an LLC, having a business bank account, things like that, and that's also super dangerous. So I feel like it's very much in the in-between. It's important to not just dive right in without a good foundation. However, it's important to not let yourself get caught up in all the details that you never actually start your business. So it's definitely in the in-between. Comes that, that phrase is applicable to so many things in running a business. Um, in balancing motherhood and entrepreneurship and homemaking and all these things. Um, But I know you can do it. And if you're interested and would like to chat more, um, feel free to message me on Instagram at the Catholic Woman Podcast. I am the one who runs that show page right now. So I'm happy to talk with you more about this, answer any questions you have specifically about you and your business idea. Um, You can also message me on my business page, which is at white.lily.weddings. Um, That is the page that I run my um, Catholic wedding planning business from, and currently I'm also the one managing that page. So if you message me on either of those pages, you'll get a response. You could also email me at thecatholicwomanpodcast at gmail.com, and I can get back to you there too. But I'm happy to chat with you, answer your questions. I'm just really passionate about entrepreneurship because I find it, it, it's a lot, a lot of work, but it's very rewarding at the same time. So... That said, um, if you, like I said, if you want to find me, um, check out my business page, which is at white.lily.weddings or whitelilyweddings.com. If you know anyone getting married, I'd so appreciate a referral to me um, and my team. They're so amazing. We have planners throughout the country, um, and we like to help Catholic couples plan their wedding, manage their wedding day, all that stuff. So, um, I'm just so passionate about it, and it's a lot of fun. So if you can send them there, that'd be great. Um, Also, if you enjoyed this episode, if you found anything super, 
I don't know, not not revolutional, but if you just enjoyed this episode, we'd so appreciate if you could screenshot it and share on your stories, tag us, tell us what you learned. We love to reshare it. And then also leaving a review is super, super helpful. It helps other people find this podcast, helps other Catholic women come into community with us. So I could really, really, really appreciate a five-star review. Um, all you do is go to Apple Podcasts, scroll down to the bottom where it gives our show information, and then tap the five stars. You can leave a comment if you want or not, but every review makes a difference, so I'd really, really appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much, you guys, and I can't wait to see you back on the next episode. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Catholic Woman Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We really appreciate that effort, and we look forward to catching you again in the next episode of the Catholic Woman Podcast.